0: G'day, everyone, and welcome to the Sydney Property Muppets podcast. My name is Kurt Lawther,
1: the real estate agent, and with me and forever is Chris Clark, the buyer's agent. Now, we did comment about keeping Angie high there. And we are going to keep it high, but maybe not this high the whole time. Yeah, maybe not, but yeah, just, I'm always excited, I like it. Chris. I like it. I like it. always gives me they,
0: good, good vibes, good energy. They talk about being grateful for the things in life, and this is something I genuinely look forward to. I love real estate, love my life, love doing everything, so but you, this is
1: something I love. You're telling doing. me I've got to be grateful for your uh, high energy, high octane. That's okay. Yep. Look, today's episode, let's crack into things. So we did episode 10, we did a day in life and auction sellers edition. Yep. Uh, today we're going to do day in the life of an auction, buyer's edition. Okay, perfect. So we're going to talk about, um, sort of break it down. So if you think about an auction, we're talking about just the day of the auction. Yeah. There's the, from a buyer, mostly from a buyer's perspective, we're going to talk a little bit about a vendor as a well. A little bit. But definitely more from the buyer. So pre-auction, what are you doing beforehand, you know, how do you get yourself ready, what that all entails during the auction, so bidding strategies uh, and uh, etiquette. Uh, And also just be aware of what's going on and then we're going to finish up with really talking about post-auction So when scenarios where potentially not the winning bidder and and there hasn't been a winning bidder We'll talk about it, but what to do in a post-auction negotiation, which I know Kurt might surprise you that is some people's absolute nightmare. Really? Yeah, some genuinely some buyers, it is their absolute worst thing that they could imagine happening But let's not get into there now. Let's come back. So pre-auction yes so i'd love to hear from you kurt in terms of what a buyer what's what's the best patch you believe or you see buyers doing before the auction starts
0: all right so and Chris will definitely go into things like probably more in depthly because uh, he's dealing with the buyers. But my thing is, make sure whoever's bidding has got their license registration. Also, whoever's going to go on the contract has their license and registration. License,
1: you mean like driver's license or uh, passport or yeah, something?
0: Yeah, passport or license. Just they don't some. need a real estate license. You don't need a real estate license. Uh, you come in, um, generally, the open home or the auction will be open like 15, 30 minutes before. Yep. You come, register just register on the day most people do that and then just be relaxed have a coffee whatever try and be as relaxed as you can because i think i got a saying saying chris um, Come on. that you'd rather rather know something in 5 minutes than in 20 days or something is yep. that this auction could be done and dusted and as stressful as it can be it's also an exciting time you might be owning your, be the winner to the next property correct yeah so definitely. think def- you want to try- get Trying to be as relaxed as you can. Uh, what expand? Do you want
1: to expand? Add some extra ideas there, Chris? Yeah, definitely. Just add to it. I think because there's a there's a lot going on. So I think if I think about the faux pas of what not to do, um, I love when I have other buyers out there coming along and bringing their partner, their mum and dad, uh, their family. Because what that allows me to do is it allows me to see them speaking, their interaction, their body language. That tells me so much. I'm almost like a natural lip reader, I believe these days. <laughs> And I've actually seen other buyers literally mouth the word to each other as a couple, this is our final bid. Now that's really great for me to know on the other side that I know that I'm squeezing and hurting them. Mm. I think also, you know, avoid bringing kids along. You know, if you can, find somewhere, grandma, somewhere else, a friend's house for them to be at. Again, all of this is, all those things provide distractions. And if, in essence, coming into an auction, You want to have your number finalised, your absolute top number finalised. Have it categorically, that is absolutely, no matter what happens in the auction, I'm not going to give a bit above that. Well, A bit
0: bit of my tip on that one as well, because we always have, know your final number is, and I think I've said it a couple of times, is have two numbers. So have the ideal number that you want, that you think, you know what? This is where we're at. However, we are humans. We always want one more Tim Tam. We want one more episode then have that category final number that you are not going above because sometimes you think you might be close enough but you don't want to show that weakness. So if you've, yeah, based Kendo, on, no. what, what are your thoughts on that, Chris?
1: Completely disagree. But love, I get the mindset. I'm not saying it's not right. People that are listening now or watching, that might really resonate with you. I am much more a big believer just having that one absolute breaking point number. By having two numbers, I think it adds confusion in the day adds hope that you're going to get your first number when it doesn't, then you feel a bit afraid because you haven't got it. I think personally, but I get it and I'm not saying it's wrong. Just for me, I just want to have one clear Mm. number. That is my absolute walkway point and anything below that I'm happy. Anything Mm. above that, I'm not a part of the process anymore. I'm literally not part of the process. Well, actually, one thing I
0: want to quickly add on that, Chris and I, when we sat down, this was something, we haven't really had this, but sort of a bit of opposing. Not opposing views, but different views because he's a buyer's agent. I'm a real estate agent. We do work hand in hand. However, you know, sometimes we've got differing perspectives. And I think if you're the person that needs that one number, you're out. Correct. So Definitely yeah. use Chris. But if you're also that person that you've got, you're going to have a limit at the end of the day, but you're also someone that's
1: a well, little bit like... I think the simple thing is, let's not a a think The simple thing is... If you like what Kurt said, do that. If you like what I said, do that. We're, this is not a perfect science. Yeah. Chris, you know what? Keeping it simple. Keep it simple, baby. Um, and then the other part is by not having family members, kids, anyone else there, you're not sharing that number. You're not then rediscussing it. You're not getting your calculator out and re-crunching the numbers. Re-cr- re-crunching, what is it, stamp duty? Stamp duty. Because obviously there is complications in New South Wales. You've got solicitor costs got building and pension, you've got the cost of the property itself, there's a mortgage, there's cash, depending on how you're doing it, and there is stamp duty. That's why I really believe by having that one number, and agreeing with you, Kurt, having that absolute final number, we might disagree about having two or one, having that final and calculating yep. all that in there so you absolutely know when you're gonna walk away. My other thing would be, don't be late. Okay? Why was that, Chris? Well, fun story, I think, anyway. I had a property in Sydenham that we were going to auction, uh, and we went, we went along to bid at the auction, we registered, um, we walked around, there was other people there, there's probably another eight or nine groups there, nobody else registered. Uh, the, the two groups that they thought that would register, one didn't turn up, and one was there but just said, no, I'm not actually going to register. Now, we end up putting in a very low offer during the auction, we're we'll going to talk about later on about how, this, you know, how that all transpires, because it didn't actually sell at auction, it got passed in. And then we had the first writer refusal. But the interesting thing was the auction was starting, I believe at three o'clock, which they started at maybe two or three minutes past three o'clock. It was finished by five past three in terms of the official auction. Another buyer came in two minutes after that, saying, sorry, I'm late, I'm here to register. Got the response, auction's done, dusted. Oh, what was the winning price? Well, there was no winning price. Oh, well then I want to be part of it. No, unfortunately, sir, you know, Chris is effectively in control. I actually actually asked that person to leave the premise because I didn't want them there, impacting the vendor's mindset. I wanted them gone because, in my mind, they weren't registered. They're not there, and um, yeah, shows you had they been there, I don't know what could have happened in the end. We end up getting that property. Very like, long uh, story for another time, but yeah, don't be late. Don't know why you would be when you're buying, million dollar property or whatever it is, but anyway, don't be late
0: well, I reckon, plan to try and aim 15 to 30 minutes. You've got to register beforehand, so being there then...
1: Would make a lot of sense. Look, I know there's traffic, and I think if you called an agent, because you likely have seen it before, I think if, the, if you called an agent ah. and said, I'm running late, I, I've actually been auctioned auction before, they've walked around and said, so sorry that another bidder has let us know, they're just running five minutes behind, please be patient. As a buyer, as a, even as a buyer, nothing oh, I can really... Do. I could push them and go, you meant to start at 3 o'clock, technically, or whatever... But in the end, they've let me know. Look, one day I might get stuck in traffic myself, legitimately. So I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna um, really break break them down because of that. Yeah. Moving anything else on before you before the auction starts, anything else they should be doing or not doing?
0: I just think you. I think you've nailed it. Just being by yourself, know your number, and be confident.
1: Yeah, I will. Uh, little tangent here. Uh, you can quite often go an auction. They've got uh, numbers to pick from. You might have your lucky number, and numbers you don't want to pick from. Um, it's always a bit of fun, I think, when you when you get to an auction to see if if your number's there or not, and who else is taking. Obviously, in Sydney, you know the number H is quite often taken. Well, I work in a bit of a predominant Asian market, and there's
0: a couple of lucky lucky and unlucky numbers. Correct. Um, yeah, that's always a bamboozling one there. You like bamboozling. Don't you?
1: All right, let's move on to. Uh, during the auction, um, what are what are some areas or, you know, for me, I always think the in most interesting part for an auction or during the auction, the most interesting statistic is 70% of auctions are won by the first bidder. Interesting, Chris. Interesting. It's, it's, I mean, it's a little bit biased because sometimes there is only one bidder. So the first bidder is going to win the property because there is only one bidder. But I also believe it comes back to a bit of a philosophy that I have around you know, bidding, and that is bid hard and bid early. You know,
0: I was just gonna jump in there as well. Often as real estate agents, and some people think we go around and say it's all buyers, so then the price just keeps going up and people just keep bidding. But I will tell buyers, look, if I was a buyer's agent, I'd be telling you the exact same thing. Bid hard, bid early, bid hard. You know your number and just keep going. Run. Imagine there's a cliff, they don't know where your cliff is and you're running as fast as you can to that cliff. Yep. Obviously, you're not going to go over the cliff. Um, but there's reasons for that, Chris.
1: Yeah, I think um, th- there's a lot of different reasons around that. I think the best one I can present is, you talked earlier on about having time, do you, know, you want to say in five minutes or two hours. I've seen time and time again when auctions has gone a long time, Buyers who said they were out all of a sudden magically come back in. They've re-crunched the calculator, they've called their bank, they've called their friends, um, they've got more emotionally involved in it. I, like I said, when I can, I like to go hard. Sometimes with, with my clients, they've given me a uh, you know a level of budget that I don't believe is is good enough to win it. So I don't go hard with those guys. When I got a client that I know has, has got a good budget or great budget there, I will go hard and, and step forth with confidence. And part of that is to kill off the other buyers, kill their emotion off. If they just see, every time I throw a number up, Chris or somebody else is beating something else, really fast response, it makes them feel like, oh my God, I don't have time to think, this guy's got a gazillion dollars into it. And I won an auction last year in Annandale where it got to my top, I was authorized to spend 2.23 million. It got to 2.2 million, uh, I was holding that, the other buyer went to 2.1 and I knew my maximum was two point three. Two point two three, sorry. So I went to that level because I thought there's no bit point bidding two point two two because if the bidder then if he bids on ten thousand, he's effectively one with my top bid. Yeah. That we we'll talk about this word a bit now, maybe we should keep it in there. bamboozled. the bamboozled. other buyer. The other buyer. Um, honestly he was very confused. Even the auctioneer was like, gone up by twenty, what a weird precedence. Why has he done this? Da da da. That was the winning number. The night before, I know I'm going on tangent and tangent, but my client the night before had only authorized me to spend $2.2, 2.2 million. And I said, Give me a bit more because I don't love round numbers. And she gave me an extra 30, and that was the number that won. And she had a massive smile on her face. Great advice, uh, Chris. So great advice, but yeah, kill, kill them with timing. And I think if you can bid and you know your number, Why hesitate? Just go forward with confidence.
0: Well, I've also, from the selling side of things, you've got a vendor, and sometimes a vendor might have unrealistic expectations of where the property's at, and that's sometimes why we also go to auction is because on the day, the buyers, the sellers, everyone can see where market value is, what Hmm. people are prepared to pay, fight over, and sometimes a vendor may be a little bit or a lot higher, but they can actually see where people are on the day. However if it's not sorted then and there, their expectations still might be a lot higher and the price may suddenly jump up. Now, it could work the other way that suddenly the price gets not as, you know, it might not go up, but chances are, if there's extra time involved, um, the vendors can change their mind, the buyers can, more buyers can come in, a buyer that may have never seen the property finally starts yeah, searching that next week, Yeah. boom. So that's, yeah. I think bit hard, bit early. If you want the
1: home, yeah. I think it's categorically. I think the best way and the only way of going about. It. I get it though. Like I've been bidding for myself and taking this advice, and you bidding for yourself. It's almost the opposite of every single fibre in your body to go. But I don't want to overspend. If I spend, if I go hard and spend, you know, bid up in tens and tens or twenties or fifties instead of ones and twos, every ten thousand dollars hurting me. But the rationale is, if you bid strong, bid fives or tens, or whatever the number's relevant for your mark, whether it's 25s, 50s, 100s, whatever that's going to be, all that's doing is actually killing off your competition and highly likely, meaning you're actually saving money at the end of the day because you're not getting into this. I was in one years ago where I was bidding for a client where um, they were in an earpiece, so they were way out of town and they were in my, in my ear, um, and... They were literally unsure of the number they were going to be topping out. I tried to convince them to have a hard number. They decided not to. Effectively, I was just bidding. I was was there bidding for them, but I wasn't really uh, using my strategy. In the end, there was 176 different bids done at the the end of that auction. The agent who referred me, the buyer, which was my buyer that won, said to me when he referred them to me, Chris, it's unlikely to win. I know where they're budgeted up to. There's no chance they're going to you know, get to that level, um, not knowing that they had had some investment come in uh, over overnight, effectively. Uh, and they ended up bidding about a million dollars more above the reserve price. Um, but we bid in $1,000 increments over and over and over again. Um, to the point, actually, we end up, my buyer wanted to bid by $500 bids, and the auctioneer actually said no. And this was interesting. So what is the, you know, Effectively, auctioneers can reject your offers or reject bid because in the end we're giving legal, we're giving money. Yeah. But what is your take Kurt, in terms of auctioneers able to reject good money? Yeah. So
0: with legislation, the auctioneer can reject a bid if it's not in the favour of the vendor. That's why, particularly at the start of a campaign, at the start of an auction, the auctioneer will be say, "Look, we've been guiding said number." I want a number around there and if it's the sometimes they might take a little bit lower but if it's well far away from that they might be like I'm not accepting it it's not in the favor of our vendor yeah um because another thing is during the campaign a lot of people ask oh where does the bidding need to start and our my response is always is that it doesn't matter where it starts really it's where it ends yeah um We've been guiding here for a reason because that's where the comparable sales are. That's where we'd like to start. And if people want to go more, it's up to them.
1: I always always love, we didn't talk about this, we always love when auctioneers have a bottle of champagne for the first bid. And so let's say they're guiding 1.5, my client's approving it's been 1.7, and I know my first bid's going to be, let's say, 1.45 or whatever the number's going to be. I absolutely jump at bidding first to win that bottle of champagne. I know it's not going to sell 1.45, but I know it's going to kickstart. It's part of my part of my play anyway. I want to go hard and go early. But I win that bottle of champagne, and it never goes to me. It never once has gone to me. Every time it's gone to my client, even if we haven't won the property, I'm like, well, here's a bottle of champagne for your troubles. <laughs> 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 Little cheeky there. So, so we understand. So minimum bidding, you know, dollar. You can't bid by dollars. You know, the the, the auctioneer has the right to refuse him, and they can determine that what they see fit. I've had times before where they said, look, we're not going up in. You know, thousand dollar increments we're currently going to 5,000. The bidding hasn't moved forward, it's stayed at the, state of the number. And then they've come back and accepted a thousand dollar bidding. Yeah. Quite often, it then goes above what a 5,000 lit would have been, but neither. Could. Now, the next words that I'm going to utter to you I want to see your genuine just face reaction I know on Spotify and, and podcast. You won't be able to see this, but what are your thoughts when during the auction you hear these three words? Four words? Is it? On the market? No, it's five words. <laughs> is it on the market yet? It's six words. But anyway, what is your response when you hear that? Do you love hearing that from buyers? Does it frustrate you? Do you care um, as an agent? As, as an agent, I've got two schools of thought. If
0: bidding has taken place, I think it's a fair question. Okay. So if bidding has taken place... I didn't know and, that. And, okay. some, some people are, huh. and the, the auction's rolling along and some people want to know. And I think that's a fair case that if people that have been in the auction, they've been bidding or even, you know, you know, maybe a buyer's agent, but a buyer's agent's just waiting for it, just asking a genuine question and it's done nicely, no problems because people just want to know. Yeah. Um. But when an auction hasn't really got underway, no one's making a bid, that's when it's... Uh, I don't cock my nose up it, but sometimes it's like, well, we haven't even received a bid yet at our guide, or your hundred grand below our guide. But we need you. We need you to also make a bit of a move, and then we can see. So then we can let our vendor know where people are at. Because if no one is bidding, then our vendor's like, well, where is everyone? At? Do yeah, yeah. So,
1: so that, it's quite clear if no one's bid yet, and someone yells out, "Is it on the market?" or or it's someone's on a very low bid. I think it's obvious. The interesting part is, I, I, for our listeners, I'm sure a few fewer there going. I don't want to bid. I talked earlier on about having a phobia, right? And People yeah. genuinely have a phobia about negotiating after an auction. It's their, it's a nightmare that keeps them up the night before the auction. It's part of the reason why I get engaged to do what I do. Um, and so sometimes people are asking that because they don't want to start bidding until it's on the market because they don't want to have a scenario where they bid. It sounds crazy, but a bid, it's not the vendors, level, but they've got the highest bid and then they've got to go to this absolute phobia, daunting task negotiating, which is, like I said, it's the thing that they least want to do. Yep. Um, Weird, but true. So, yes, and some people
0: may, I think we were discussing off air that some people may think, oh, but if everyone's bidding, it's going to get a real high price. Like the price is just going to keep yep. going up, which is not, which is also not always true. Sometimes the auction goes quite quick and ends roughly where. Yeah. Um, the best ones? Often we hear about the smallest or the the lesser percentage of the stories where it's crazy, but that's what everyone always talks about. Yeah, it grabs the media.
1: Like the ones where it goes crazy, or the ones where there's it was expected. You know, hundreds of people there and then no one bid. Those are always going to make the headlines.
0: But sometimes it's just people bid and it gets to just maybe a little bit below the guide or a little bit over the guide and things done and
1: dusted. Now, here's one I actually thought of. Now we haven't spoke about at all. Okay, this is a, a vendor's bid. A vendor's bid. Talk me through oh. this because obviously auctioneers talk about this every time. There is a one and only vendor's bid I can provide on the vendor's behalf. I think there's a lot of confusion. Does that mean that number then means on the market, not on the market? Why do they do it? When do they do it? Give me give me some insight okay. from your side. love From my hear. side. So the vendor's
0: bid is basically the vendor getting to partake in the auction. Yep. And gen- generally, it's been used in the past as a way of... Almost last resort to be like, just say a property was guiding a million and no one's placed a bid or the bids are at 900. Yeah, they may place a vendor bid 950 just to try and get someone over it. And it might be a bit of a close up gap to where the vendor then may be like, okay, if someone goes above that, then so it can get done during that auction period. Yeah, with you sometimes oh we've uh i try and use or we've tried to use a tactic where we'll use an auction bid at the start which is a bit risky because then you don't have that vendor you can only use it once you can only use it once you don't have that vendor bid as a backup but i like to sort of go on the front foot to give people a thing to say we're guiding nine I've been guiding maybe 900 and just say the vendor want I don't know what number, but you're let's, just say say, want,
1: let's say they want a million.
0: Just say they want a million, they might we might be like, okay, we're gonna use a vendor bid um, at 900. Yeah. Just to be like, guys, this is you need to be above this if so you want quite
1: clear it doesn't mean it's on the market. In that scenario there it's not on the market. No. It's just and it's there for what it's there for. It's there to prompt people, it's there to give people a bit of guidance, a bit of push along, a little you know, I've seen it using scenarios where, you know, it's expected to sell for, you know, 1.7 and the bidding somewhere here at 1.3, 1.4, and everyone's stagnant. It's like used to almost go, we everybody here at the is way off where you need to be. We're going to, it's you know, we're putting a vendor be at 1.55, not to scare everyone literally away, but also demonstrate that everyone is a long way away from where the vendor and comparables and yeah, you know, that's what I'm thinking of a scenario in Marrickville where it's happened before.
0: Yeah. Well the and I think for the buyers and bidders to understand is the guide is a guide based on Generally, with ethical agents, the sur- genuine surrounding sales and roughly where the property will be. I love that to
1: be always. It is the case in a lot of scenarios, but, but
0: yes, it is obviously also not the
1: case in a lot of scenarios.
0: Yes. Um, but it's it's a guide to give where the property could roughly sell with good market uh, market value for both the vendor and the buyer. Yeah. However, the reason why we go to auction is because people need the vent even though the buyers are fighting against the buyers, the buyers are also fighting against the vendor still because then it's like, I think people sometimes have got a little bit disillusioned with, oh, the property's gone so much over the guide. And sometimes it's generally not the agent's fault. Sometimes it's because people are just fighting over the property and that's, you know, the next door neighbor Sally's like, actually, well, they got $200,000 over where they were guiding and what really the property's
1: worth. I might put my property on the
0: market. Right. And that's, you know, and, and that's why you give people, effect. yeah.
1: Well, very good. Well, I think I know our next topic or next part is talking about auction, uh, post auction. Like I said, a very daunting proposition for a lot of buyers. We're going to take a pause and then we'll break this into part A, part B. So enjoy it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, we've definitely enjoyed it so far. And we'll be back with part B shortly.